Well, welcome to our inaugural broadcast of The High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. And I'm sitting here today with Sal Sama. I'm Ryan Priest, and we have our CEO, Harold Cooper, with us this morning. And uh, as we get into this, we're going to talk about our recent merger, what the new company looks like, um, how the breakout. This is our first initial podcast with uh, with the name. We're going to get into the name, and that is an homage to your strategy and belief uh, as uh, as life and business. So, uh, Sal, you want to you want to kick us off and get us yeah. started with Harold here? Yeah, Harold. Uh, when we first moved into the to this to this office where we're at now in Seymour, Indiana, and we would take the tour and we we would bring visitors through and show them the office and and in your office today and then then now today still is a uh, uh, two pictures or Civil War pictures. And uh, it's a very specific battle of the Civil War. And so we've named this podcast The High Ground. And if you could uh, just tell us a little bit about, uh, about the, the history of Fredericksburg and the Civil War. Sure, I'd be glad to. And first to back up just a little bit, over the years, I have never read management books. I have always believed in my, my leadership style, whatever style that would be, tends to shy around military history. I think you can learn a lot about battle and how to apply battle strategy to company strategy. So uh, Fredericksburg is a unique battle in the Civil War. It was in December of 1862, and there was two uh, capitals at that time. Washington, D.C. was the capital to the north, and about 110 miles south of there was Richmond, Virginia. In the middle of those two capitals is Fredericksburg, And so it became a very key point in this war as far as a place that as you wanted to capture the flags, for example, the other, uh, the opposing forces capital, uh, Fredericksburg became a place where both military forces lined up. Uh, Not unlike other battles in the Civil War, this was heavily outnumbered. Confederates were heavily outnumbered, about 120,000 Union forces about 80,000 Confederates. And so it always sounds like it's going to go well for the <laughs> Union forces. Uh, the problem in all that was Lee and his army got there first, and they occupied the heights. that Just outside of Fredericksburg, up on the hills, it's called Nays Hill, uh, Mars Hill, excuse me, it's called Mars Hill, uh, there's about a half-mile open field that's on a rise. Uh, near the top of that field was a rock wall, Above that, Lee had placed his cavalry. And so as uh, it was General Burnside, actually a general from Indiana, as he was instructed by Lincoln, take that army. You need to defeat the Confederates. Uh, Burnside had a big task ahead of him to have to have his forces go up a hill in open ground. And, and again, the Confederates behind a rock wall. It did not go well. Uh, even with a, a larger force, uh, the Union forces were just decimated in that battle. And it's, it's mindful of me, and the reason I put those uh, pictures in my office is it depicts both sides. Roughly, the Union forces got within 25 feet of that wall on one of the days of engagement, but they never took out the Confederates. And it's it just mindful to me in business that when you can occupy the high ground, when you can get there first and be the best, it's hard to knock you off that hill. And that has become somewhat of a notion or a strategy for us that if we can do it first best, we're in a much greater, stronger position 
to, to occupy. Yeah, and that feeds right in, uh, Ryan, with the, as we're doing our first podcast and, and the forming of Premier Ag with the recent merger and uh, I think almost everything we're trying to do with uh, storage, putting storage closer to, to growers and, and uh, the investments we've made and with the hog business expansion and uh, trying to, to be the best in the, in the, in the first in, in the markets that we serve. Yeah, we've uh, we expanded our footprint in southern Indiana, and um, and it's interesting that uh, when you talk about logistical um, and advantageous positions, we do have the Ohio River, which is a which is an important um, thoroughfare for our our input of goods and and where do we source our commodities from and how do we get them here in the most efficient manner. So having having a, a border basically with the Ohio River has been. A very strategic play that's going to work well for us um, uh, forever into the future and the assets that we look to build there. Not only bringing those products, because we do look globally, uh, we're a very locally focused company with uh, with a global outlook, but as we bring those global products to us, uh, we can we can consolidate them at the river and still have an advantage to get them to the assets that we're building uh, right here in our own home communities uh, where our members uh, live and, and work, farm. And, uh, and so, yeah, we've, with the strategy that, uh, that we've put together, uh, the recent merger, which uh, was effective on September 1 with White River Co-op and Premier, um, I think we've set ourselves up well for our, uh, for our, our, our takeover of, <laughs> of our territory and, and, uh, and expanding and growing our business. So uh, from a logistical standpoint, we do have an advantage and, um, and we do source locally, which has been important for uh, all, of our, all of our members to deal with. And as you said, we have an advantage from uh, the diversity that we have. We have the, the Swine Link uh, livestock piece to the agronomy fuel uh, LP and, uh, and then retail C store businesses. So, uh, and we met, we matched up well divisionally, um, size was a little different whenever we brought this merger together, but divisionally we matched up well. And, um, and so that's, it's been a nice fit. We have a geographical boundary, um, it was sort of a mountain. <laughs> There's some high ground between us, but uh, uh, but that's actually boded well for uh, for a lack of overlap. Uh, we matched and we matched up well, but we didn't beat each other up along that border. Uh, so it's that worked well for logistics and also for the employees that we managed to keep on staff. So. Um, so you know, as we as we go ahead, Sal, you have uh, uh, interest in everything that we do, obviously, but a specific, uh, specific interest in the agronomy business. Why don't you give us a little background of our agronomy size scale, what we do, um, and uh, and, and kind of what you do as well? Sure. Well, I work with the uh, the sales and the precision ag teams, and um, one of the things I guess pre pre premier ag, if that's a term is uh, one of the things that uh, at that point it was Jackson Jennings they had done was try to separate sales and operations. And um, when they did that, and now even today, we try to, uh, we do, we separate a a functional division of labor where the operations uh, team can focus on delivering the customer experience and uh, delivering the solutions, um, getting things done. And, uh, and then the, the account managers or the sales department, they're, they're supposed to provide the solutions, uh, not just, uh, they may not deliver the products or be involved in that, but they're supposed to do, 
to deliver the unique solutions to every grower that we that we work with and um kind of uh, to follow up with the that high ground is just trying to make sure that we're doing things uh, almost everything you can do agronomically correct is is the best thing economically and environmentally and uh having the account managers equipped to to bring those solutions to the growers and then there's the tracks department where the the data piece and bringing bringing all the data together importing importing data all right now at this point in in the fall of 2021 uh you know input costs are going to be pretty stiff next year we want to look at removal rates and and not over apply certainly not under apply fertilizer but not over apply and want to make sure we get the right amount of product and the right source at the at the right time and uh, the tracks department does that is the core of what that precision ag department does for premier ag and then also there's the uh, expanding and exploring some new market opportunities for our growers with uh, carbon credits um, sustainability and we that is also housed in in our tracks department and last year was the first year actually this past summer um that was the first time I've ever seen a carpet credit payment go out. And Premier Ag was was uh, the leader, certainly in Indiana, and, and one of the highest participants of just taking advantage of an opportunity for a grower to to get credit, no pun intended, but to get credit for, for something that they have done to sequester carbon in the soil. So give us an idea of how many how many opportunities did you have i mean you say you say you led the way in the state of indiana is that a thousand people is a hundred well, people or in what percentage so, were you so in indiana this is a there was 30 31 i think okay uh, that was through the true terra the true carbon program that came out and i think there was 31 growers in indiana that qualified and it was fairly uh, they had to have gone back in in their history and find out uh, which farming practices they use and, and if it was the right farming practices to match up with what they were, the intent of the program, um, Premier Ag had 22 growers that qualified for that program. Now, we only did that because we had done some work before with getting growers into a sustainable plan. And uh, right now we're getting ready for 2022, and we're already trying to make sure that we have uh, enough staff and enough depth in that department to break to deliver the offers to the growers yeah and as we as we target this podcast out to not only the people who buy from us and use from us but also our neighbors and our community members and those who uh, aren't of the two percent that are farmers or the seven percent who work in ag business this sustainability piece is a catchphrase word key topic that that everybody it seems like in our communities is concerned about as they see us going by and monitoring wondering what we do how we do things what is in that sprayer what what are we doing uh and and this sustainability piece and being the leader in indiana on the carbon credits that's just a piece of it that we welcome our communities to ask questions to us and and i think that that leads us out there harold probably falls into that strategy of uh, of, of being out in front of others where where you want to keep us where you want us to be we know that being in front being first place is <laughs> is is hard to get to but it's even harder to stay there so yep. there's there's going to be things that continue to come uh down the down the pike that we we want to jump on early yeah and i think that uh, a good way to phrase it is is tracks um, variable rate applications uh, grid sampling that's how we farm 
sustain or our our sustain program is how we show we farm. And so for growers to be able to show uh, external stakeholders, sustainable farming doesn't mean organic. Um, That's not what it means. It means that we're just, we're not over applying fertilizer. We're using cover crops. We're doing no-till in appropriate situations. Um, And it's profitable for the grower and it's a, it saves soil and resources. Well, I don't want to spring any questions that haven't been uh, that, that are, are new or, or cutting edge, but I guess I would focus back to you, Harold. You're coming off the merger, um, and those things don't go together necessarily very quickly. We've had time to think about them. We've uh, uh, had boards of directors that, uh, that took time to look through all of the numbers and, and consider all of the advantages of it. How do you look at this merger as being um, beneficial to our members and maybe address how, well, you're just bigger and that's not necessarily better. If you want to go ahead and just expound on your thoughts to that and how you would answer that. And, and I think it's a great question. I did like the process that I think our farmer owners addressed that. And that's an important part of this answer is I report to a farmer board. We are owned by 3000 farmers in Southern Indiana. And so when you consider the things that we have to represent to our farmer owners and say, we think this is a good idea, there's conflicting interest. A lot of that is a desire to keep my capabilities local. I like the fact that it's locally owned, locally controlled. And so as you get larger, that starts moving away from that notion. And so how do we represent that it's a good idea to be larger? You mentioned it earlier, but as I think it's always incumbent upon a farmer-owned organization. I think something that Premier has as a value is we want to offer a farmer-owned choice in every market, every geography. I sincerely think it makes a difference when there is something that is owned by farmers that helps influence the, the marketplace and make sure the farmer is forefront in the thinking, not just of our own interest, but of our competitors as well. The other thing I really like that this does is it allows us to, the capability, again, with the high ground notion, to be able to compete with any other entity that would be in this marketplace. We are not of the size or scale as premier in southern Indiana to compete internationally with Cargill or worldwide with Nutrien. But with, with this merger, we are of the size and scale to be able to make the investment and be relevant with any other possible choice that would exist in this marketplace. And so it's always a, it's always a question for a co-op, are you too large or too small? They're both very relevant questions. And I think it's easy to answer the too small question if you're not able to make an investment that is the best possible choice for a producer to be able to do to get efficiency, convenience, quality, uh, reliability, and, 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 and competitiveness, you're too small. And the, the challenge of being too large is do you lose track of that local interest? And in our case, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but in our case, we are aligned with the Ohio River. We share an interest across this entire southern Indiana boundary of an interest of how the Ohio River influences agriculture. We're also both, we're in livestock. And there's only three co-ops in Indiana that were even directly invested still in livestock, and we're two of the three. And then in my mind, I think this is just as important, but I think things are different in Southern Indiana. I, I used to travel the Midwest and I used to feel more comfortable and aligned with just the, the way people acted in Southern Illinois than I did in Northern Indiana. That doesn't make anything right or wrong, 
but there's a great commonality of interest in our two companies pre-merger that allowed us to go very well post. And so in all this, then, this allows us, again, to, to, to maintain that notion of can we occupy the high ground? I think this merger gives us the capacity and the capability to continue that notion. Otherwise, we'd have, we would have struggled. I appreciate that. And I, I think, uh, you know, as we, as we continue to, to move ahead with this new merge company and find our, our place and, and where all of these uh, advantages that we, that we gained by putting this together, it's going to continue to benefit our members. I'm excited to go to our members and talk about the things that we're doing now, the capabilities that we have, the things that we're going to be able to invest in in these local communities that people will, 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 will benefit everyone as they see that and it's 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 encouragement to our employees so i i know that you feel very strongly about the young people coming into our company and the in the strong foundation that they have that as as we as we continue through our careers and we build in those successions coming in behind everyone here they really have a solid long-term outlook with where we are yeah it's just what a fun time to uh, be coming into the industry and and uh, just and coming into Premier Ag, um, you know, we don't want to uh, just hire people. We want to re- we want to gather people as far as employees and uh, to make sure that they've got the right culture uh, to make sure that they have the long term vision, because uh, this this cooperative, I mean, it'll, it'll be here uh, after we're all gone and to make sure that we've got the next the next generation that's ready to to do something different and um and and know that they can come here and and work hard and build a career and it's just an exciting time with the technology changes just just what we have seen in our careers but what will the next 15 to 20 years look like oh agreed and and to move away from ag just for uh, just for a moment we want to talk about the fuel it was a recent acquisition by premier uh, for for, uh, for uh, liquid fuels and, and with the intent to expand in other uh, areas as well uh, but we've we've kind of concentrated on southern Indiana, but that investment is actually in Kentucky, and we also have a, a very important piece of our operation that's in Ohio now. So this is a multi-state. Uh, this is a multi-state company. We have several counties uh, with uh, with the agronomy uh, interest in Indiana, but we're also all the way to the northern border of, uh, of the Tennessee state line, uh, and then several counties in Ohio that that we have interest in as well. So, uh, but still culturally, both of those areas still territorially fit into um, what he was addressing earlier, what Harold was addressing earlier with the with the culture and the uh, and the way people act, behave, and believe. And so uh, those continued expansions are not changing us culturally. We're not we're not changing anything out of our model. Those are more strategic uh, add-ons, and we're glad to have them. We'll continue to look for those opportunities. But through our fuel, uh, through the cooperative business model that we're also passionate about and have been involved in for such a long time, you know, our, our fuel business is is also mainly sourced from another cooperative and a strong regional cooperative with a refiner in Indiana. Um, in, in country mark and and then even on a larger scale uh we source our cpp products and, and our seed products and and have um have supply agreements with land of lakes and the chs's and grow marks of uh, all large cooperatives and and so i would like to get into that one of these days um in a, in a separate episode about cooperatives and, and people have a little bit of an idea that 
maybe I can't buy from you because you're a co-op and I'm not a member. And I think people would be surprised. I think it would make a great, interesting concept to talk about who are co-ops in the world that we may not think about. The, the sun kiss and the ocean sprays and the RTC communications. And, and talk about you're dealing with co-ops all the time. That's a strong model. And when you think large co-ops, how and, and are you too large? There's some large co-ops out there that have been very beneficial to uh to customers and members for years and we're and we're proud to be a part of that business model so you know as we as we go ahead that's a little glimpse of what premier is a little glimpse of of why we did what we did as far as our latest merger our belief strategies um and and in the course that we set on and as we talk about core values um we hope that we convey those core values these are voted on by our board of directors, um, and and we hope that we convey those in everything we do. So when you go to the farm, uh, we want to make sure that all of those are conveyed through this podcast. Anybody who interacts with us, we want to make sure that they are, and 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 we want to drive home that um, that that based on those core values and, and the cooperative business model, that that's our go to business strategy, and that anybody, whether they buy from us or not should see that reflected through all of our employees and um and we're glad for that i do want to bounce back quickly with a little back on you sal i just want to say that today the taping today is the 246th birthday yes. of the marine corps yeah, and you birthday. are a marine so i got the several happy birthdays today absolutely so, so yeah thank, thank you for your service There's and a lot, uh, of, a lot of marine corps balls going on all around the world right now so absolutely it's a good time yep. so yeah happy birthday and thank you for your service so you have anything to add for our premier premier broadcast no i just thought it was nice to uh come out with a story about how we came up with the name of the high ground and and uh, how that ties into our go-to-market strategy and uh, just looking forward to this being a, a new way to communicate with our growers and also to folks that may not know a lot about agriculture for sure a way to get a good way to advocate and uh, and look forward to doing many more of these harold thank you for your time and thank you for your insight thank you about it.